0: Welcome to Spry, a podcast where we embrace the most difficult parts of life: caregiving, aging, death, and dying, with courage, grace, and dignity. We focus on cultivating a mindset of constant personal growth and staying energetic, active, and engaged with the world even as the years go by. We'll share our lived experiences, all of the tools that we found along the way, and insights from our community to help build confidence and resilience. All right. well, it's Spriday. Woohoo! Ooh. Each Friday, we are going to do a roundup of content, products, things we've observed, articles we've read, shows we've watched, whatever it is that we feel like embodies Spry. And we've been talking about Spry for a very long time, and we, uh, I think, we all have a pretty big like notes file with lots of ideas here. So. Each week, we're all going to bring something to the table uh, just to chat about. And we will, of course, link everything in our show notes. So, um, Mom, why
1: don't you kick us off this week? What's on your mind? Well, every day on my mind is my letting my hair go gray. It's been a journey. It's been a journey. I'm still walking by a mirror and going, who? Who is that? So last summer, late summer, I decided I was going to do it, and I just could not stomach thinking about growing my hair out. I had pretty long hair. We would
2: say it's mermaid hair, <laughs> mermaid yeah, it hair, epic and, and it was for very reference. dark, very yeah. dark,
1: very luscious. At least mermaid thirty-five hair. years of dyeing it dark brown. Well, my natural hair used to be dark brown in my youth, but for at least thirty years, I had been dyeing it. Every three weeks, every three weeks, and even getting toward that three week mark, I would be spraying the brown, you know, stuff yeah. or just it, it was to cover the roots. It was so hard. But I, I never I never embraced going gray until I started seeing. I saw a few movie stars who embraced gray, and that that kind of gave me a little lift. So I saw on Instagram some influencers, and I even consulted with one of the Instagram influencers. You had to send pictures of your growth, of your roots. and and he came back with a price that was like I could have, you know, purchased a car with how much it would (laughs) cost. So I just do it like instantaneously. Like you
0: fly there, you go in, maintain the length 12 hours and you get to maintain some of your length,
1: but Mm -hmm. you're, you leave there platinum. Yes. It looks like it's that easy, but he even admitted to me, after the consult, that those are my very best clients that that their hair handled it, and and then there's these rules that you can't put heat on it for two years. So it still has to grow out. It just no matter what you do, it's gotta grow out. So I decided that I would strip the color out and and cut it. C- cut as much as I was comfortable with, and then just let the chips fall where they may. So I, I did that in in November it was the color that it is today those of you who have video will be able to see that I'm quite a platinum white kind of gray so that's that's really lucky but I battle every you know every day with putting special potions and conditioners and oils on it and then I also take supplements to help it grow and um you know, I'm not to the year point yet, and I feel like it's probably going to be two years more before i'm I'm happy and that every time I brush my hair, it's not going to look like a uh, little kitty cat lives with me. <laughs> so, um, but I mean to explain, it's it's breaking from the
2: lifting out of the color correct so as the natural color grows in it's going to be as luscious and healthy and strong yeah, as your it was. natural color Fingers i would crossed. pay money to get to i mean it's very it's diane Keaton. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes that was my muse yes i have her diane picture Keaton's. on my phone i I I want to be Diane Keaton. I've even purchased a lot of aspirational hats to do that. But but anyway, well,
2: and I love that you did this and I think now it's becoming something. So when my met my husband 20 years ago, his mother was gray. And seeing pictures of her when she was in her 40s, she was completely gray, and at the time I judged that like, "Ooh, she let herself go so gray." But now I think culturally we're getting to a place where we're embracing the gray and oh, yeah. loving the way it looks. I mean, our dad, we've always called a silver fox because for men, it's just sexy to have a full head of gray yeah, hair. We want to be silver foxes. Yeah. So I think you look fantastic and, and I'm I think loving I'm the I'm even change. seeing women my
0: age, you know, that are growing out their grays too. I think we're all getting tired of the hamster
1: wheel of, you know dyeing our hair. Right. We want to normalize that when you see a woman with hair like that, she's a silver fox too, instead of an old old bat. I have a quote from an an Oprah Daily article that came out this week. It's called Gray Area, A Hair Story on Aging. And the woman in the article said, I get so very many compliments on my gray hair the way I never did when it was brown. Maybe it's dog whistle stuff. And the subtext is, you are so brave for becoming this old bag with such dignity. (laughs) So I kind of feel like that might be my mantra from now on. Like, I'm just an old bag you know, growing old with dignity.
0: (laughs) Well, I love it. I've started growing out my gray hair. uh, And I do think one of the big things I learned is at the end of the day, you have to grow it out. Like it just, it's, it's a process, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm saving a lot of money. Um, and I love that, you know, I think so many like younger women are coloring their hair gray on purpose. So
2: there was like actually a little trend, I think that helped move this whole thing Mm -hmm. along. So have you guys heard of this company called array gray, Mm -mm. it's a supplement company and what they say on their website is that there's two main factors that cause gray hair, right? The decrease children, children <laughs> uh, husband stress. No, uh, it's so it's the decrease and melanin melon and un- Melan, melanin melanogenesis oh. I am not a doctor. melanogenesis in the increase in oxidative stress in the hair bulb, right? So their promise is that if you have 30 percent or less of gray hair that their unique system tackles it from the inside and the outside to change gray hair like to repigmatize gray hair and to prevent more gray hair. So since sounds made up. I know, but I might <laughs> try it. Not that I'm afraid to brace gray hair, but I am at a point where I only have four or five silver strands, strands. just random strands, just as a little product research. Oh yeah. Test that out and get back to us. If anything, it's just a multivitamin for your hair that should hopefully strengthen and keep it healthy, which is the most important thing. Those kids aren't going to stop stressing you out. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, Janann, what have you, what's been on your mind this week? So mine is a little bit on a sadder note. Uh, No, recently and today, you know, I try to read a lot of articles and things that come up about aging and caregiving on the Yahoo homepage, homepage, which we get a lot of flack about. (laughs) You you get your news from Yahoo homepage. (laughs) Um, But there was an article in today that was about death by a a hospice nurse. Her name was Hadley Vlahos, so she's a registered nurse, and she just wrote a book that came out that's called The In-Between Unforgettable Encounters During Life's Final Moments. And what I thought was interesting about her, and it's something that we've talked a lot about since losing our sister, we had a hospice nurse work with us, is that how hard it is for people to talk about death. It's such a taboo topic, even though it's an inevitable part of life. Um, Why are we so afraid to talk about it? Um, And so she just kind of breaks down some myths, and I thought it was really interesting Um, that she's trying to bring this idea of talking to death to the, about death to the forefront because it completely is in line with what we're trying to do here. Talk about death, aging and dying. Um, so, you know, I think it's uncomfortable. People love to avoid the topic. Any thoughts on that? (laughs) (laughs) just talking about death? Well, just talking about death and why as a society do we not want to talk about it? I think,
0: and this is maybe part of my personality, I don't function well with the unknown, right? And so I think there's just the unknown that is a little bit intimidating to talk about what happens. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a little bit of fear there. Um, I think culturally we live in, um, you know, at least here in the United States, we live in a culture that really, um, promotes youth And even like most of the things you see about aging are around looking younger or trying to stay youthful. So we're having a hard time even acknowledging aging, let alone, you know, death and dying. Um, And, uh, you know, I think this is part of what we're trying to do. Like it is something we need to be talking about that needs to be present and. Um, you know, if only that sometimes you die before you think you will and just making sure that your life is kind of in alignment where you want it to be mm-hmm. at any given time. Um, my husband is a firefighter paramedic and you know, he sees death a lot. Um, and so we, we actually talk about this a lot because we always say like, Oh, Hey, I just want you to know that if I die, I'm really happy and I'm I'm good with where we're at in our life. So I think kind of constantly having that touch, touch point of this could happen. And like, you know, I'm just checking in on my alignment. I, I think, I think it's super healthy even though it's a little bit scary.
2: Yeah. I think, yeah. When we talk about it, it just reminds us of our own mortality Yeah, and we don't want to address that. I think a lot of talking about death too, we don't like the discomfort and grief that we might feel when we talk about it, you know, um, but I think that's okay. We'll probably cry a lot on this podcast and and share a lot of grief that, and that's okay. And we need to be more open about talking about these things. Um, I thought it was also, you know, interesting that a lot of people don't have a lot of personal experience with death. So when they need to talk about it with someone who has to maybe give some sort of, um, you know, consoling to someone else. They don't know how to do it.
0: Well, yeah, maybe that's just a conversation people are afraid of having because it might be awkward or they won't know what to say or right. how to be supportive. And so you
2: just avoid it altogether. Right. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm, I'm, I want to get her book. I, When our sister passed away, we had a hospice nurse who was wonderful. and was I incredible. And I think that throughout the cancer experience with Tina – the hospice nurse was the only person that gave the truth and absolutely so the job is so important and i'm ex- i'm i'm interested to see what she says i've ordered the book um and hopefully can give a bigger review on it yeah i think the changes that we've had in like
0: at least and maybe it's because of such a big portion of our population is aging now that we are starting to see more hospice care, more palliative care, you know, like more people are doing this as a job in the medical profession versus like mostly focusing on like keeping you healthy and alive. It's more like how do we approach death in a very, you know, Mm -hmm. supportive way. So I love that like this is getting publicity because we're seeing more people in these spaces.
2: Yeah. And And death has, you know, historically been medicalized, right? We don't want to talk about it because it tends to happen in a hospital or in something like that. But hospice, you know, the, the act of dying can happen in the home. It can happen in lots of places where it feels more comfortable to be more in line with your life and not something so scary. Yeah. And I would say too, like, don't
0: be afraid to talk about death frequently and, you know, even if you're maybe encountering someone who's recently had a loss like that, it's okay to say something. I remember when Tina died, one of our friends who, you know, showed up at her celebration of life was like physically there, like did a lot of work said, I'm sorry, I haven't said anything. I didn't know what to say. And I, and I thought like, oh, you know what? It's okay. Even just saying like, hey, I'm just thinking of you. Perfect. Like, Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid because I think the people on the receiving end have a lot of like grace that they're giving, knowing that people don't know what to say, but that everybody's trying their best
2: and assume good intent. I hope so. One of the best pieces of advice I got, I thought, even just a text, but saying, you know, when someone's going through a hard time or, or experiencing a death. And she said, well, I'll just, I always send a text. And at the end of the text, I say, please don't respond. Yes. You know, because I love that. Then, yeah. On someone who's feeling loss and grief to have to respond to every um, good natured outreach. Yep. And I like that. Well,
0: speaking it. of that, um, the topic that's on the top of my mind this week is sort of how do we support friends that are and I wasn't sure how to approach this like in crisis or um but we have some friends um, and they just found out that their four-year-old daughter has leukemia. And this has all happened in the past week. And I feel like the like structure and the scaffolding of support that was built around them was really amazing um, and just wanted to share some of the stuff I observed because um, I thought it was so great. I mean, I think we all you know, by our nature, want to be helpful
2: and supportive when people are going through something and you don't know what to do. Or... And naturally you just want to say, what can I do? Yes. Which please never ask that question <laughs> to anyone who is struggling Yeah, I learned. or that going through with, something. Yeah. My sister-in-law had breast cancer and she
0: was like, you just shouldn't say, how can I help you? Because you're putting the burden of help on the other person. So I thought the first thing was, so this is sort of like they're them communicating outward to their community. So they I'm assuming, of course, they were sharing this with their very close friends and family, you know, texting, whatever. Um, but when they shared what was happening broadly, so they did a post on Instagram, they Shared a lot of information about exactly what was happening. So, like back in the late nineteen hundreds, when Facebook, As my first, son would say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when Facebook first came to be, we we used to call it vague booking. You'd like write a post, like you know, just feeling blue, and you're or like, "What's happening? Hard, hard things are you? happening right yeah. now." Yeah, <laughs> and so it wasn't vague. When they communicated what was happening, it was very specific. You know, this is what happened. This is where we're at today. This is the type of leukemia. You know, this is what we expect our lives to look like for the next couple of years, um, and that was. So that was really helpful just to be like, oh my gosh, did you hear so-and-so's, you know, kid has cancer and it, it, that was like, that was it. And then I think it actually probably generates a lot more like what's going on, what's happening. You, you put provided on enough, enough people. information,
2: yeah. people get curious, and then you're causing more work for yourself exactly. to explain the situation. And obviously, if you don't want to share what's going
0: on with the whole universe, you don't need to do that. So right. I guess I should say that too. Like share as much as you're comfortable with, but avoid being like, overly vague, I guess. Um, And then when they shared this kind of broad communication, the structure to help them was already in place. So part of the like, this is happening um, was here's how you can help. So I thought that was great. So first thing they did was they set up a dedicated Instagram account where you could track what was going on with them mm-hmm. with this particular situation, which I thought was nice. So of course, like started following that. And then I think again, the exhaustion of keeping everybody up to date on what's happening, you know, at least it's right. like, look, if you want to know what's happening, go to this Instagram page because that that's where they're going to update you. Um, they also like, The mom transitioned her Venmo account to be for donations specific Mm. to this. you can't have multiple Venmo accounts, but Venmo is so great because it's so low friction. Right. Like it's so, the first thing is just like, okay, I'm going to send you some money. Well, and and I don't think they
2: take take a A percentage of fee, which a lot of these do. Which I always felt bad. I I would rather, if I knew the person personally, would rather just send them money versus using the GoFundMe because I knew they would lose a percentage.
0: Yeah. And, like, you don't have to put a credit card in for Venmo if you have Venmo. And it's, like, an easy way to do maybe a lower donation amount. Maybe you just want to send $5. You know, which is totally great. Super easy to Venmo. Um, And then they set up an account at a website called give And I'm sure there are multiple sites that operate like this, but I've actually had a couple of friends who have set up accounts on given kind, um, which is super great. So, you know, if you just want to send money, then most super easy given kind, you can sign up for meals, but mm. it's very cool because, you know, you're signing up for a specific day. And then when you select a meal, you can select, you know, from a restaurant that they've Mm -hmm. put in, like, this is a place we like to eat, or you can send a DoorDash gift card, or you could sign up for a home-cooked meal. So you can see, like, you can, you know, do any of those things. I of course do a DoorDash gift card, because I am a terrible cook. (laughs) That would actually be a mean
2: thing to do for me to drop off a meal to a friend. So I love that. We had a neighbor- a uh, couple of years ago, it was the first time I saw that she had breast cancer and I think she ended up having to do a double mastectomy and it was great. There was an online platform. I don't know if it was giving kind or another one, but you could see all the dates she needed meals through the entire summer. People would put in what they were bringing. So you knew, oh, there's a lot of chicken soup coming. Exactly. I'm not going to do that. And I found it to be so helpful. Yeah, it's yeah. so
0: great. Um, they also um had grocery shopping as an oh, option. So I'm like I don't know. Great. I don't know about you, but there's the standard list of like these are the twenty
1: things we pick up every Saturday. So you can pick up their like basic groceries. I only wished we could have been that organized with when we were going through our loss. Granted mm-hmm. it ended in fifty eight days, so you wouldn't have gotten this far, but yeah. We had gallons of chicken soup. Not that I didn't appreciate that. But yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they also, you could donate for housekeeping.
0: So they're mm. going to be at the hospital every week and mm. this process is going to take two years. Their child can't go to school because she's immunocompromised. And so like, it was like, oh, wouldn't that be nice to just like have their house cleaned? So you yeah. Could donate to that? I thought it was so great. Um,
2: And I love that they weren't afraid to set this up. I think part of what, at least how I felt with um, our experience with Tina is I feel bad asking for help, right? I am a capable, independent woman and I, you know, we can take care of ourselves, but it's nice to allow other people to serve you.
0: And, and they so want, love, to. So and, like and want to. So like people
2: to. Right. Energy. Yeah. Um, I think is huge. It helps build community and helps you grow closer. And I, I think part of it is as the person going through the hard thing, you need to allow yourself to be taken care of. Yeah. Right. And communicate what, what and communicate you need. Communicate what you need. Yes.
0: yes. For sure.
2: Um, they also,
0: I think they have, you know, they're just incredible people. They have a lot of really good friends and they seem to have, like, friends are communicating on their behalf, like, hey, you know, it's from their account, but it's mm-hmm. like, here's what's going on today with these folks. So, again, like, like undoing the burden again, my sister-in-law who had breast cancer, she's like, there's just a lot of energy spent, like telling people what's going on Mm -hmm. or making other people feel okay about your situation. Right. Um, and then as we were just talking about, they've been very open and direct about what they need. So I think, um, there's kind of like a, a, two sided coin here. Um, they, you know, they were clear about like, Hey, please ask before stopping by the house. Like, let's not do a pop in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're really tired. Um, pop. You know, obviously don't come over if you're sick because you know, our child is immunocompromised. Um, and then like, that was sort of the first couple days. And then I noticed like yesterday they said, you know, we you know, our child has received so many toys and we're running oh. out of places to put them. And so, you know, again, I like, I'm reminded of a story when I, I heard a story about like after nine 11, I, you know, I'll put a link to this if I can find it, but that people, or maybe it was after, um, you know, it was after a school shooting. Anyway, somehow a community received like 20,000 teddy bears and it was kind of like, Oh, like the intent is good and want to do good things. But like, we didn't like 20,000 teddy bears. Isn't really what we right, yeah. need. So, um, you know, again, as the person who wants to help, you know, again, don't say, how can I help? Because that's burdening this person who's going you know, in crisis and, mm-hmm. um, you know, respect what they're asking for help with. Again, if you wanted to buy a toy, maybe just shoot over a little Venmo. And just say, Hey, I'm thinking of you get something fun, uh, you know, or, or do something fun with this, whatever makes sense for you. So yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was really great. The way that people are showing up and the tools
2: to organize it, communicate. It's nice too, to have someone in your life who can take charge of those things, right? Yes. Like the parents, obviously are probably feeling pretty overwhelmed and how great to have that friend or that person in your life who says, I'm going to set all this up. I'm going to manage this for you. Yeah. Like that's such a great gift to give to.
0: Yeah. The, yeah. The orchestration Mm. of things is a, is a gift for
2: sure. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's, it really does make you feel very lucky about the people when you've experienced something like that to have people in your life who, who show up for you and take care of you. Yeah, It's great. All right. Well, We did it. Our
0: first official (laughs) podcast. We, of course, would love to hear from all of you. Um, If you want to share something with us, um, send us an email at podcast at stayspry.com. Follow us on social at Stay Spry. And the Spry Podcast is an on-air studio production. Thanks, Abby,
2: for dealing with our microphone (laughs) movement. (laughs) And thanks for joining us.